Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell, and I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Uh, please visit our website at www.yaleruddcenter.org for a list of uh, other podcasts we've done and a variety of excellent resources. I'm very happy today to welcome uh, Dr. Marcia Pelchat from the Monell Chemical Census Institute in Philadelphia and the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Marcy is a very distinguished researcher uh, doing work in the food intake area, has studied especially in, uh, topics of interest today like cravings and the issue of whether food might possibly be addictive. So we're going to do two podcasts, this one on the issue of food cravings, and then we'll do it with a, uh, do a subsequent podcast on the, the, the controversial, uh, even inflammatory topic of whether food should be considered an addictive substance. So Marcy, welcome. I'm delighted to have you here. So let's start with the topic of cravings. Um, the word craving is out there a lot. It even gets used in advertisements by the food industry and certainly part of modern, modern language. Um, how do you define it? And what does it mean from the point of view of a scientist who studies it? Uh, the most commonly used definition of food craving is that it's an intense desire to eat a particular food. And there are two parts of that definition that that are important. One is that it's a strong desire, something you might go out of your way for, but even more important is the specificity. When you have a craving, you have evoked a sensory memory or template that has to be matched in order for the craving to be satisfied. Okay, so just being hungry in general wouldn't constitute a craving, but if right. it's focused on a particular food or type of food. Exactly. Okay, then, then you could define a craving. Um, okay, now you have done very interesting research that's uh, made the point that liking a food and wanting a food may not be the same thing. Could you explain that? Uh, yes. Um, liking is uh, the evaluative response to a food, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Wanting is desire for a food. And generally, they do go hand in hand. Um, that you want things that you like. You want things that you like. But it is possible for people to learn to want or crave foods that they're not that crazy about. And uh, we found that people who um, consume a uh, vanilla-flavored dietary supplement beverage, they get all their calories from this for a day and a half. Um, or often report cravings for it later on. And uh, we've tried to bring this into the laboratory and, and make it happen under more controlled conditions. And we've been able to give people this dietary supplement beverage. They're not crazy about it because it's full of vitamins and they say it smells chemically and things like that. Uh, they drink it once a day for two weeks, and they begin to report cravings for it, wanting it, even though they don't rate their liking for it as being very high. Interesting. So you've made this important distinction between wanting and liking. Cravings is mixed into this. Um, and that these things can be learned. 
that we may have cravings or desires or liking for certain foods that are just wired into us that have survival value, but it can be they can be learned as well. Does that how does this map on to the fact that there's so much food marketing going on and that people are around the food cues so much? Well, um, we know that uh, when cravings are learned, uh, they can be triggered by cues in the environment. It can be anything. If you usually have a cookie when you come home from school or work, just walking into the house can trigger that desire. Walking by a fast food sign, seeing an advertisement on TV, all of those things can be cues that trigger cravings or desire for foods. Okay, now you've done some very interesting work showing that cravings matter. That is, that the degree to which a person has cravings are related to important things. What are some of those things? Um, well, uh, people who have more cravings have a higher BMI or body mass index. That is, they tend to be, they have a greater tendency to be overweight or obese. Uh, they snack more. They're more likely to drop out of uh, dieting programs and uh, Cravings are also associated with binge eating. Okay, so that means cravings have clinical significance or personal yes. significance to people. Um, what can you say, and there may not be any way to really answer this given scientific knowledge, but I'm just curious about your impressions. When people are exposed to food cues so much, really unprecedented at the moment, if you add up the number of uh, times people see food advertisements during a day, even walking past a soft drink machine in a school is a form of advertising, but that and all the other forms, plus the food availability, like you mentioned, how many times do you go past a fast food restaurant or a convenience store that sells foods you may like, and that combined with the marketing, it really adds up to a lot of exposure. Does this keep the... The craving meter ramped up, if you would, is it, uh, you know, is it just keep keeping this constant desire for food revved up to a degree that the people have a hard time resisting? Yeah, well, no one's looked at that scientifically, uh, but uh, it stands to reason that with all these cues in the environment, it's very difficult to stop thinking about. Uh, a wide variety of foods. Okay. Um, is there information on gender differences in cravings? Um, there do seem to be gender differences. Uh, women of childbearing age almost universally report food cravings. Um, males in the same age group, uh, maybe 60 or 70 percent of them report cravings. As women get older, if you give them a, a retrospective questionnaire, you know, if you ask them how many foods have you craved in the past year, older women tend to report fewer cravings or to be less likely to report cravings. So sometimes when people say, what can I do to stop having cravings, I tell them to wait until they get older. And uh, so uh, there are also differences in the types of foods that... Um, that women and men report craving. Um, uh, women tend to name more sweet foods than men do. Men tend to report craving more entree-type foods. Um, and this is even true cross-culturally, although, of course, you know, given the idea that cravings are learned, um, 
people in other countries may report different foods mm -hmm. that they crave. So here, chocolate candy is usually the most commonly reported craved food. But in Spain, um, it may be something different like flan or black licorice or something along those lines. So men and women differ in the number of cravings they report, it sounds like, and yes. also the type of foods they crave. Yes. Are there differences in the strengths of cravings? So if you took whatever was number one on the man's list and number one on a woman's list, do you think the cravings would be equivalent in strength, ability to resist things that would have importance in terms of people's dietary monitoring? Uh, women do report having more difficulty resisting, but, um, you know, that actually hasn't been done, and that would be an interesting comparison to make. Males may also not feel as compelled to resist cravings because there's less pressure to maintain uh, low body weight and so on. You know, the theme of uh, more research being needed is really, really pretty accurate here, isn't it? I mean, yes. all, all scientists always say that we always need more research on a topic, which is always true. But in this case, it's a, it's a very pressing issue because the, the topic of cravings and how it might relate to the possibility that food might be addictive is, has important social implications. So it would be nice if some of these scientific gaps got filled. That's yes. one of the appealing things about your work because you're helping fill some of those important gaps. Well, thank you. So this, we're going to end this podcast, but I'd like to um, remind the listeners that we're about to record another on uh, a very incendiary topic uh, the issue of whether food can be addictive. So please join us for that one. And I'd like to sum this one up by thanking uh, Marcy Pelchat for joining us from the Monell Chemical Senses uh, Center in Philadelphia and a faculty member at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and what, and uh, urge you to visit our website, as I mentioned, at www.yalerudcenter.org for a list of a variety of resources, including a free email newsletter uh, and a list of all the excellent podcasts that we recorded. Thank you.